Filibuster is supported through Patreon by listeners like you. Check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster. We also get support from the Ehrlich Law Office, discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions for the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia. They handle workplace discrimination, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, and a whole lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. I had a dream last night and it's pertinent to this podcast. So I'm going to tell you everything I remember about it. Um, so it's a fever been... dream. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, sounds unhealthy. Well, okay. Hmm. So generally, if I have a dream that I remember vividly, it means I had a good night's sleep. Um, if I'm sleeping well, I remember my dreams. They don't make any sense. They aren't very Freudian or anything like that. Um, but I do remember them and I can kind of, even like it's now, we're recording at 925 and I still remember the details on this one quite well. Um, so last this like two nights in a row of these, I just told you one that is, I don't want to take us on a tangent. It involves the movie Anaconda. Um, last night's dream and why it matters to filibuster the DC United podcast is that in this dream, uh, the actress who played Kimmy Gibbler on full house uh, was appointed as the new head coach of DC United <laughs> um and was like there was like an intro video in which she was very like adamantly like she had like a a clipboard and was adamantly trying to show a team of players some sort of tactical change to make in a game in like a stadium um she was coaching in like jeans a hoodie and a baseball hat um so very you know kind of a typical modern uh coach gear these days i feel like if you're not the the uh coach wearing a suit uh you are often a coach who might wear a hoodie and a hat um or if you're ben olsen it's both depending on where you are yes yes uh, the home i i got the feeling that she was a i'm coaching in this these clothes no matter where like this genre okay. of of the style of clothing um but yes very emphatic uh very um demonstrative on the touchline um and generally known as like an intense coach um and she was hired her, to take over did her did her intro video song have the full house theme song attached to it or did they pick so, other music to signify her welcome so i'm assuming that the full house theme was not the music because i feel like the dream was... would have presented that as like there's one more thing that you need to know jason remember <laughs> when you wake up remember but what if it was the full theme song to the show house i feel Ooh. like i don't even know that song Massive um, attack. Yeah, massive attack. See, I didn't know that. Like, I never watched House, so I don't know. I probably know the song, but did not know it was House's theme song. All right. My question is not theme song related. Okay. Was Jody Sweeten heckling her the whole time? No, no other cast members from Full House were present. And it was very clear that she had, like, finished with acting and was like, I enjoyed my time acting, but now I'm full in on soccer. And that's how I climbed uh the ranks as a professional coach to get to this level uh that i'm at now um so yeah Good that was the dream, I, dream. The, the dream i had uh in in the dream she was never referred to by name because i my brain does not have that information it was just like an immediate like oh she played kimmy gibbler on full house um and that was it 
look, when you go to sleep tonight, if for some reason Dave Coulier is like the <laughs> the goalkeeper coach, I need you to wake up immediately and start over because yeah. <laughs> I don't think you want to play that in football manager. <laughs> yeah, if we, if we get far enough down the down, you know, John, John Stamos, Stamos taking over. Stamos as, uh, is the technical owner. director. Yeah, Stamos not... is fine. Stamos will be fine. Coulier, that's that's my dog, but he... <laughs> not gonna work. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm not sure whether to look forward to or uh, sort of just be uh, uh, wary of what's to come. If I keep having these settled dreams in which the the reality of reporting on soccer doesn't go away even as I sleep. It is just present when I'm there and then I wake up and I'm in it again immediately. Uh, but I guess this is the life we chose. Well, just like Jason's dreams, soccer news doesn't stop. Yeah. On that note, hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United, and Andrea Barber podcast. Wow. I did know that name. <laughs> I'm Adam Taylor. Joined by Jason Anderson, Ben Bromley, and welcoming back to the podcast, Donald Wine II. We are all from blackandredunited.com, where we cover DC United, and that's what we're talking about tonight. We've got uh, more DC United player moves, all real, rumored, and needed to talk about in this first segment. In the second segment, we are going to talk Black History Month. Um, uh, Donald has been running a series over at Stars and Stripes FC for several years now, celebrating Black History Month. And uh, he deserves some flowers, and the people he writes about deserve some flowers. And we're going to give out some flowers tonight. Before we do anything, though, Donald, what are you drinking? Uh, well, first, thank you guys for having me back on the show. It's good to see you guys again. Um, tonight, I have a, it's a bourbon. I guess it's a whiskey. Uh, it's a maple whiskey from Litchfield Distillers. It's in Litchfield, Connecticut. Uh, the only reason that I have this bottle is that I went up to Danbury back in May for uh, some recording sessions of, of chants we're going to do for American Outlaws. And afterwards, I was like, okay, we've been recording for like eight hours. I need a drink. And they took me to the distillery in that area. And it was this. They have a maple bourbon, which tastes actually very, very good. You can make a great maple old fashioned out of it. Uh, highly recommend it. Uh, but yes, this is what I'm drinking right now, just on the rocks. Very nice. How about you, Ben? I am going with a red wine tonight from Virginia's Chateau Morissette. Um, it is called Archival. Um, so, of, of course, I had to buy it. Um, it is, is a it, very... is it the official red wine of Bromley FC. I mean, probably not. Um, I... Up the archivists. Right. Uh, I started following Bromley FC recently, and they, 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 their hashtag is We Are Bromley, and I just want to, I just want to reply to them and be like, I am Bromley. Every time they tweet now, you need to respond hashtag I am Bromley. Should I uh, a brief update uh, in in Football Manager? Bromley is, I think, three places behind me, and almost certainly won't get a promotion spot. Um, where, but I in, in my last until game I last night. Oh, ahead, until man. I until I edit your uh your I go into the save file configurer and uh and hack your table. I mean, if you can figure out uh the complicated stuff in the uh, football manager editor, then I, I guess I just have to give it up to you because that thing is a monster. Um, but yeah, I'm also just now on goal difference out of the promotion places with two games to go. Uh, so we, we there might be another season of Jason versus Bromley coming. As the archivists go, as Jason goes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I am drinking a Mezcal margarita. 
um, which is quite tasty. Top shelf lime juice as always. Yeah. Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I was out of beer and I have to go out after we finish the show. So I didn't want to drink anything very heavy. Uh, so I'm having a little tiny splash of vodka in some seltzer with some lime juice in it um, because I didn't have any beer either. So it was like, what am I going to even, even do? Um, so that's what I came up with on on the spot at the last minute. It's fine. It's not great. <laughs> It'll get you through the show. Yes. Uh, I guess we should get to the show. Uh, DC United had the week off from preseason games this past week as they traveled from Florida to the district to Palm Springs, California, and I'm sure did plenty of training and workouts and and everything else you have to do to be a professional athlete. Uh, they do have three games to play out West before they come back home for their regular season opener on the 26th against Charlotte. Two of those games we will hopefully be able to talk about to some extent uh, on next week's episode, but who knows? Because these games apparently are very difficult to see if you're not there, which brings us to Donald. <laughs> uh, you're, you're traveling soon, buddy. I am. Yes. I'm going out to LA coincidentally for she believes cup. And coincidentally, I, I won't be able to get to Palm Springs. That's like going from here to uh, like to Missouri, um, apparently. So uh, <laughs> I won't be doing that, but I, I'm trying to get to the game that's going to be at Dignity Health Sports Park. For some reason, they scheduled two She Believes games with a preseason LA Galaxy DC United game sandwiched in the middle in the same stadium, um, yeah. which works out well Triple for header. me. Yeah. Uh, Triple header. We're going to make a weekend out of it. So uh, I'm hoping to get out to that game. And if so, I, if I have to set up, I don't know, if I have to set up a Zoom and, and just <laughs> someone, someone's watching this game somehow yeah if i'm mad. i mean that'd be better than the stream uh that uh, img academy provided for dc united preseason a number of years ago the periscope oh, it was just like some dude back. some dude recording skateboard style like with their with their like digital camera it wasn't even a phone it was like a digital camera yeah or the, and th that was the one where uh I, we talked about this last week but it was the one where there was construction equipment in the background oh yeah, right. and, and, yeah. and constant that. wind it was yes. very it was very windy um it was I don't know, the this, whole, the construction. this whole event in LA sounds like it's just the, the Donald Classico. Um, they set up a full three-day event just for you, uh, not for anyone else. Uh, I mean, there are other I people who appreciate it. So. apparently <laughs> are going to be there, but it's it's your event, number one. Well, they should just they should just have Coachella there for you right now as they well. Should. Beyonce, holler. Yeah. Available. <laughs> <laughs> Until we have a chance to talk about those games. In the meantime, we, we do have some player movement that's happening, some player movement that's rumored to be happening, and some player movement that, frankly, needs to happen for DC United. The first of those, Michael Estrada, uh, his loan from Toluca to DC United is official. Uh, the, the Ecuador international striker is coming to uh, Buzzard Point. He is currently Ecuador's leading scorer in CONMEBOL, World Cup qualifying, I think six goals in mm -hmm. in this year's qualification or the last year in this year's qualifiers. Uh, no goals for Toluca this season in limited minutes. No goals last season in the uh, Apertura for Toluca either. He had several goals before that, uh, but 
has fallen off. I don't know if it's the system. I don't know what's going on. I, I, I enjoy watching games that are aired from Toluca stadium because it has some design yes. cues. I wish DC United would use frankly, the having their hall of tradition for lack of a better term plastered above the stands on camera is amazing and remarkable and a way better use of space than random banner sponsorships. But I digress. Uh, he is coming to DC United where he will be on a TAM level salary. He's reportedly got a $5 million option or DC United has a $5 million option to make it permanent, though I'm not sure how much sense that makes because there's been some some reason to think that his contract expires at the end of this year. That may or may not be true. I don't know, but I have seen it said that it does. Um, so it could be that they don't exercise that option and he comes on a free transfer. Anyway, who knows? It That assumes he does well in black and red next year, which hopefully he does. Yeah, I, I think the, the first thing I would say with the contract side of it, um, because Ecuador, their spot in the standings in Conway Bowl is such that eff- effectively, I think if mathematically, if they win any more games they're in, and if they just avoid losses, they will also qualify. Um, in the final two games, um, there's almost no way they're going to fall below at least the playoff, the the fifth place spot that goes to an intercontinental playoff there. Um, all of which matters on this front, because if he goes to uh, the World Cup as Ecuador's number nine, as he's if he's their starting forward, um, then necessarily, unfortunately, the way soccer uh, business works is that you could play a thousand games for your club team. And maybe some people will notice, but you can play one good World Cup game and everyone will notice and take that to be the only game. That's the representative sample. Is that yeah, one game? Yeah, that's true. Um, and so that might be a factor here. The the contract link thing, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't recall hearing about a player who was going to be out of contract still having a um, uh, a purchase clause like that because it just doesn't make any sense. Why, why would you do that to yourself? So I imagine his contract... What's available on the internet is not necessarily what his actual contract right. is, is the important thing here. Yeah, my my thinking in trying to rationalize these or, you know, square the circle is that MLS requires, at least in the past, they've required all loan, all incoming loan deals to include an option to buy. I think that went away a little while ago because okay. it was probably hampering some of the loans and the league finally realized that you could still get some good players in. Um, right and stop getting in your way. And if, if you want to be part of the global transfer market, as MLS always says they wants to be, um, then you kind of have to do that kind of thing. Sometimes you don't, you have to be like, well, we're not going to do that one that you guys all do uh, where that's not for us because then people are going to be like, well, then what am I talking to you for? This is a waste of my time. Um, yeah. Took, took like 20 years to learn that one, but we got there. Uh, the front line now, whether it's one player or, or two man, front we've got Ola Kamara we've got Michael Estrada we've got Nigel Roberta Adrian Perez fits in there somewhere uh, Edison Flores can play as a second forward Taxi Fontas is is coming at some point it right now it's scheduled for this summer if Rapid Vienna drop out of the Europa Conference League then maybe he's able to come earlier I mean Perhaps. far be it for me to root for Rapid Vienna to crash out of Europa Conference League, uh, which is like <laughs> as as old as as this morning's cup of coffee, but 
you know, uh, is, is what it is. It would be convenient I, I kind of, for them to fall out of this historic and storied tournament. <laughs> I kind of wish that there were a CONCACAF equivalent of the Europa Conference League because it would necessitate also the equivalent of uh, the Europa League. Yes. Um, so you you would have virtually every MLS team playing an international tournament. You would have, you know, FC Cincinnati in the uh, Con- CONCACAF Conference Tournament. So <laughs> they, do have, they do have a, a CONCACAF League, but it only serves as yeah. a feeder into Champions League, and they should just make that the secondary tournament. And like you said, like it should be the second four teams or whatever from, from MLS go to that, and then the, the bottom, like, 12 can go to CONCACAF Conference League or whatever, whatever they right. want to call it. Whatever we call it. Actually, it, there would be, they need to have something else because that would still be CCL. Um, but, no, no, yeah, no. That, that, that has to be that way. All of these leagues must still be CCL. CCL. Yeah. So you don't know which one. I, Yo, we're in CCL. Oh, you're in that one? No, no the other one. No, no, no. Don't worry. Other, don't ask other questions other. which one we're in. We're just, we're in it. Um, <laughs> we're the, in it. I think I told this story on the podcast a little while ago about how this year's Brazilian League um based mm-hmm. on the various ins and outs there is one team that was not either in international competition that didn't qualify and also wasn't relegated there was one team out of 20 that didn't have one of those two things happen to them um and since mls doesn't have relegation we might as well give those uh, other teams we might as well throw them in into a um i don't know the, the league of sadness just every last place team from around concacaf's leagues gets entered into no, a you, tournament yeah well, everyone has to be in the MLS's back tournament. No. So they have to come to Orlando. They have to stay in the hotel, or are we going to let them, like, have a life? No, no, no. Straight they got to gotta stay on Disney property. Oh, man. So don't finish in last. Uh, don't end up I mean, in the League of Sadness. Th- this is At a Fred Armisen like MLS joke. MLS back is returned, has returned. It's like, <laughs> like the Fast and Furious, where they they don't just have two, three, four. It's like... They have to Wait, are they going to do the like, naming convention where four, instead of being four MLS, you, you five have two back. MLS, two back, you have MLS is back Tokyo Drift, where for some reason no. they just have it at Disney, uh, uh, Disney Drift, Disney no, Drift. See, yeah. see, I was yeah. going to say that that you have one team that qualifies for the Tokyo Drift version, but they literally just have to go play in the J League for a year. Um, <laughs> Which is what I would I mean, want. Do you get to sign King Cosmo? I want DC United to yeah. uh, qualify for that tournament every year intentionally, no matter what they have to do to get there. No matter what. Just angle their way in. Um, Going after the big fish, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. This is, this is, all of this has been a culminate. This is, this moment is the culmination of so much work uh, that we've come up with uh, this. <laughs> this idea. Just promise me. The ultimate just, idea. just promise me the day that we sign King Kazu when he's like 78 years old that I get to be on this pod with you guys to celebrate. That, that oh, yeah. Percent. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. I think this would be a 24-hour 24 24-hour uh, podcast. Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, uh, so Michael Estrada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, he's played well during mm-hmm. World Cup qualifying, like super well. He, he's been, as you said, Adam, like the, the best player for them during World Cup qualifying. And I think – that's what we're hoping will translate over to DC United and, and not as much the form that he's been of at late at Toluca. Cause I mean, if you think about it, there has to be something going on at Toluca because despite the fact that he hasn't been scoring in, you know, several months there, he's still destroying people in world of qualifying against, you know, some of the best players in the world. So right. I, I think I, I'm inclined to believe more that this is the type of player we're going after 
is the World Cup qualifying version of Michael Estrada and not necessarily the last four months at Toluca, Michael Estrada. Yeah, we know the the team is optimistic that they're obviously paying him an above max salary. And the quotes from Lucy Rushton, they straight up said, we think he can be an elite striker in this league. Mm. Um, so I, I'm sure that they, they've looked at his work rate. They've looked at um, more than just his goal scoring numbers, obviously. Um, and they think he'll be a fit for for maximum overdrive. So and he we, scored we, we have to wait and see. In in the full, if you if you treat the aperture and Clausura as like one full season, the one before the one we were talking about, where he hasn't been effective or hasn't really even seen the, much of the field, um, he had eleven goals. Um, so it's not like he has been bad for a prolonged period of time in terms of years. It's just months. Um, and these Ecuador games, I think, are probably an indicator that he isn't like just completely gone inside his own head and is like, oh, this is a disaster for me. Um, he must to compete at that level. He still has to be training well. Um, he still has to have some degree of confidence um, that's still there. So I, I don't know. Maybe we'll have to track down someone who knows Toluca better than we do um, to talk about why this happened. But um, in any case, uh, you know, he's someone with a, a record. We talked a little bit about um, the, what's become like the Nate Scott theorem of DC United uh, forward acquisition, which is just how how many shots are you taking per 90? Is it a lot? Because then we're interested. Um, and one of the things, if you go look up uh, Estrada's shots per 90, is it's one of the higher figures in uh, Liga MX, which is, you know, kind of the idea here. DC wants to be a team that creates a lot of chances. It's a quantity-based offense. It's not a, we're going to create two big chances a game, but we might only have like five looks in the entire match, the the old way of doing things. This is more of a, like, we would like to have 20-something shots today. And if if some of them happen to go in because that's how soccer works, that's the idea. Um, so I, I think that's the through line here, but um, it is kind of tough to say because the team hasn't really talked uh too much about what's going on um the they've been away from the area there has not been open media so you can't go ask someone hey what's what's going on what what do you sign this guy for um we are working on that uh but it's not necessarily come together it's not as easy as like if i show up at the spirit i'm there they're like well he's there and, and you're here so he's probably gonna want to ask some questions um whereas dc i didn't go to florida i'm not going to california um unless something changes dramatically in the next like hours. So um, this one's kind of hard to parse at this point. Uh, hopefully we'll get more insight into what Estrada is supposed to bring to the table here. But um, I will say uh, we talked about his haircut and it has changed to a far more conventional haircut, yes, which is unfortunate the, news. The jauntily like angled Mohawk yes, is maybe, gone. Maybe the Mohawk was the problem. Uh, it, I hope it wasn't, but maybe it was, and now he'll play better without it. I would have. He liked just it decided when around. he wasn't getting minutes, he just like closed his eyes and forced out some hair. I to, mean, it's it's a DC I think it's thing. Just... Maybe, maybe he has to bleach it. Uh, mm. I was gonna say it's it's a new team. He's like, yo, new team, new attitude. Got to switch it up for the for the people. Give yeah. him give him give him a fresh look. And then when he starts scoring goals, then he you know does the does the shag fade over here, the carpet in the back, whatever he wants to do. <laughs> As long as he's scoring, I don't care. <laughs> I'm just, I'm trying to wrap my head around the decision to just grow out the hair where it's been shaved, like all at once. Um, that that may be something I have to decide to try to do in the future. 
Um, I'll have more news on that next week, I think. <laughs> uh, rumored move now. Um, in it, it's a a little bit bonkers one. Carlos Tevez, uh, famously of Juventus, Manchester City, independent uh, West Ham, Boca Juniors, thirty uh, eight year old is connected with DC United. Uh, the Athletic reporting that there's a 25% chance the deal gets done, and he he comes to D.C. He hasn't played in eight months. He went to the Chinese Super League and got paid $41 million for what he described as a vacation. Um, he then, I think, did he go back to Boca after that? Yeah. And yep. played only in Copa Libertadores <laughs> and then stepped away from that, um, I think, when his father died is what i had read um and but now is apparently considering jumping back into the game and dc united may be the destination i don't know it doesn't make a ton of sense i mean yeah this is a great move he's at the height of his powers <laughs> he's playing for a premier league t- wait this isn't 2010 no wait i'm checking hang on hang on there's a commercial i'm sorry there's a commercial on my tv um no, this is the same metaverse that we were in an hour ago. I I don't look. I, I don't see him. I have a vested that. interest in thirty eight being close to your prime years, um, <laughs> because it means that I'm closer. Same, um, uh, same, same. But uh, then you'll understand then, someday. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good. Enjoy. Enjoy <laughs> hitting your prime at thirty eight. Um, no, this in one a year and a half. This one is not. It doesn't make any sense. Um, no, it doesn't. I, I think MLS bigger, like national MLS observers are like, ah, what the hell is happening? What, why is this occurring? And I think our reaction is also, why is this occurring? Um, I did, tr- I did, I felt like it was our responsibility to some extent to try and approach like, why is this happening from a positive perspective? Um, or, or why would this happen? Because again, 25%, one of the things that happened in, the aftermath of this was people reacting to it as if, oh, it's definitely happening. And it sounds like it's probably not happening. Um, it's just being kicked around. The idea is being uh, passed back and forth. Um, but the the ideas that I thought of as to why DC would do this would be marketing locally um, and the idea of a super sub, you know, 15, 20 minutes a game, um, as much as we've talked about the prospect of Tevez being in the past, um, if he if he is fit enough to fit in for s- small periods of time, think Ilsenio, um, then you're talking about someone who has played at the highest levels. He's played for Argentina. He's played in some of these top leagues. He's going to be, from a technique and soccer IQ perspective, ahead of everyone else on the team. Um if if he's fit and engaged um he went to china and was like yeah whatever i'm i'm here to get paid um and that's the thing i've come here to do i don't know that i i don't know his perspective on mls maybe he's like no mls is a serious league china's isn't maybe that's his perspective or maybe he's going to be like listen i played in england this is not england so it's not serious he could it could be anything in between those two um but if he were serious then you would have theoretically that level of game changer off the bench that is just a different level player than DC has in terms of experience and um, 
thinking the game up front. Those are the positives. Um, I, I think I'll, I'll hand it over to you guys for some negatives, and I'll, I'll circle back if I if there's any that I think didn't get brought up. Before we go to negatives, well, a couple. I think the the best case scenario is Ramon Abila, but more and better. That's that's what that would be the argument for it is if he can give you those 15 minutes a game like El Sino, but in a more goal scoring position, um, which is what Juan Chope did, you know, the, sure. during some of his cameos. And sometimes you need well, that. You need that, that change of pace. I don't I mean, I think it. I, I buy that he can do that. That's the thing is he's 38. He hasn't played in eight months. And when he did, he was a part-time player in a continental competition, which, yeah, that's a high level, but. What if he's the ringer just to win the Open Cup? He only plays Open Cup matches. I I'd be fine with that, but I don't want to pay a, a tam lot of salary money. for that. But it's not you my can money. Do that with me. If you're I paying can, a tam can, salary for, me for Carlos Tevez at this age, I, the, throw the whole thing into a lake. Yeah, that that like, kind of would the, overwhelm the whole thing. But here's the thing, right? Like. We had the same deal with Yamil Assad a few years ago when we signed him. Mm. He hadn't played in like he was on a team. He was training. He hadn't played in like six months. And we sent him to Loudon to train for another eight before we even let him see the field. Like, mm. what are we doing with Carlos Tevez, who has not been on a soccer field in eight months? He's as old as the coach of DC United. Like, did they grow up together? Like they are literally the same age. But my I think the other thing is that inexplicably we are not the only team that apparently is pursuing him. Like, I mean, I know inner Miami is linked with everybody, but they're also they're linked with him. And I, I, I forgot who the other one was. Was it Cincinnati Minnesota. or something? Minnesota. Yes. Speaking Minnesota. of speaking Minnesota of Ramon immediately Abilab. was like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Yeah, not, that, no, we, no, 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 not us. <laughs> not us. Um, and Miami was kind of like, Oh, Tevis. Hmm, interesting. So this is one where I hope that Miami makes that mistake first and, and they blink first, but, uh, I, I, I agree with you, Jason. I don't think this is happening, but the fact that this went from like a Junior Flores type of rumor that kind of has been recycled for months and months and months to something where Pablo felt strong enough to be like, no, they actually are talking with him about it. Yeah, That is my question is what led them to be like, yes, Carlos Tevez, let's pursue this avenue and see if it works. It, I imagine that the actual answer to that has to be some sort of documentation of what players in the area do people identify with the most? Um, because Boca Juniors and Argentina are two, if you go out in DC and see soccer kits, Boca Juniors yeah. and, and Argentina are two of the most common kits you're going to see full stop. I mean, Boca's probably, I mean, we talked about with Paul Ariola a few weeks ago that Club mm -hmm. America is probably the best, the biggest club in North America. Boca is probably the biggest club in South America, or at least yeah. argue, you can argue that point, that Boca right. is one of the most recognizable names on the planet much less in this hemisphere so yeah if that's the case then yeah sure but i mean i could go i could go to australia and find people who have boca junior hats and, and jerseys on so right you know i i think the marketing angle kind of would be the main thing um it would have to be almost for it to make sense um the the way i look at it is you know ben mentioned the, the the reporting mentioned the prospect of Tevez. I think it was that Tevez wants a TAM level contract, 
Not that DC was considering offering him that, just that DC was willing to talk to him about something. Um, well, I guess that's reasonable for him not to ask for $41 million. Yes. Uh, I would also argue <laughs> that asking for a TAM contract is also out of line with what DC would be able to ask him to do. Um, yeah. the, the role he would have within the team. You know, if you told me he's making 150 k then I can kind of wrap my head around it as depth, as experience for the the team sort of a quasi not not officially a player coach but having some some level of uh, guidance responsibility that that almost is like a coach um and the advertising side the marketing side the the local boost that it would bring i can wrap my head around those things um but at a tam level deal you're getting into possibly not having the money to bring in other players we We'll talk about one of those spots where they might want to consider doing that. Um, and at that point, if you're a team that supposedly didn't have a lot of cap space, um, yeah. how are you then putting Tam towards Carlos Tevez, who like best case, none of our best case scenarios are like Carlos Tevez is a starter for DC United in 2022. Um, it's like, it would be cool if he comes in and makes a difference in a handful of games yeah, that's the best case scenario. Um, so, yeah, this one is just, it's tough to square. Um, I, I don't know that he would have, I will say he is known for being relentless, the, the hard work, the intensity, that kind of thing. That is kind of what characterized his game um, throughout his career. Um, so in theory, he could uh, have the intensity level, but like, what does that translate to at 38? Um, what is the, you know, what is giving everything you have every second you're on the field translate to at that age when you're surrounded by a team that is younger and faster than it was, um, in, in the past, um, probably not to a starter's role as a high pressing forward. I don't think that we would have reason to expect that. Um, so yeah, this, this one is, it, it's, and it's also, it's kind of hard to square with the roster as is, especially we're just talking about Michael Estrada. Um, if Ola Kamara is still here and Nigel Roberta is still here, um, how many nines are you going to have? Um, because we, we even, Adam, you mentioned Adrian Perez, Kamarni Smith is still on the roster. So you've got that aspect of it. You've got too many strikers at that point. And then on top of that, international spots are, I don't want to say expensive because of the, the change in how much GAM is worth. Um, but there aren't going to be that many of them. And that, that 250,000 figure we've seen all off season starts to disappear. Once the teams start to sign up and the supply of international spots for everyone starts to dry up. Once teams start making their moves, start occupying those spots, those spots suddenly become more valuable. Um, and so with, yeah, I, with, go ahead, Donald. And, and with the new rule that says you basically are an international at what was it the start of the season or the start of the summer the, window or something? Yeah. The start of the summer window, you have to have your green card before yeah, that. Like, that makes it a lot more valuable, right? Yes. Like the, the international slot, because more guys are going to need it because even if they get, you know, get their green card or are able to get off back in the day, were able to get off the books. They can't anymore. So mm -hmm. people still have to keep those on lock. And I think as you start seeing more rumors going around, that price for international slots is going to tick up ever so slightly because there, as you know, there's a finite amount. And then there's going to be a point where people are like, hey, I, we have these guys that we know we can't get cleared in time. 
it yeah. is what it is. So we have to we can't make moves. Yeah. Um, you're going to be right. calling around and no one's going to have one to offer. Um, the traditional Portland and Vancouver uh, trade that DC United often makes will not be available. Um, and yeah, uh, we don't know. I think one thing we've learned over recent years is to not assume that DC has green cards coming to always assume that they are further down the road. Um, no matter how are how they just bad at this? Well, the thing is, it's not that so much that they're that bad. It's that other teams, a few other teams are way ahead of the curve. Um, right, but somehow, like, I mean, we, it may, it may also DC just United be the way, be it may just be the way the visa offices in different cities are run. Right, there's like, a, there, are, be, there are a lot of It may be out of that, control. Right. Can we get Tom Daschle as a DC United minority owner just for the purpose of uh, greasing the green card uh, uh, train? Uh, I don't think, look, I, I don't want to say what he's up to uh, at this point. I don't think it has to do with green cards, though. Look, look, I will say this. We live in the Washington, Frederick Douglass Commonwealth, the 51st state of the United States. We literally have visa visa shops on every corner. I am on NBC Row. I can get a visa to <laughs> like 212 countries in the span of like three blocks. And you're telling me that we can't get right. these things wrapped up for us. Like that is where people go, look, man, like, I get it. It's a it's a hard process. It's difficult. But when like some place, you know, some team, uh, for sake of example, like Columbus, there ain't no consulates in Columbus. How are they getting these so quickly? We have every well, it's state. Consulate. It's we the State some, Department. Some it's multiple. not the it's not the foreign embassies. It's not the missions. From I the don't other care. Countries. We have them all here. We don't have. Yeah. To, we we could do but, that on their way to Starbucks. They may, maybe this and is maybe this done. is Washington's senators leaning on the State Department. What? DC doesn't have them. We need to get you guys, Ben and Jason, you people with senators. We need to get your senators to to get on their job. (laughs) Tim, Tim Tim Kane's up for it. Tim Kane's America's dad. I'll I'll go down to Ben Carpenter and and lay out the case for him uh, with with the roster spreadsheet and like a a a six hour PowerPoint (laughs) explanation as to how Adam and I will call our congressman spot. Oh wait, Um, we don't have one. Eleanor Holmes Norton would a hundred percent be on. Oh, this. she'd make it work. Yeah, let's well, hit, let's well, hit her jersey with her name in the back. She'll get. She'll. We'll. We'll be done. We'll be. Right. We'll be ready to go. But yeah, the 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 issue here for DC is like, if you want to sign Tevez, let's say they sign him tomorrow. You know, we're recording on on Tuesday night, where it's just after the Estrada signing was announced. If they want to sign him tomorrow, they now have an international spot problem, um, coming down the road. At, because Fontas is going to come in and need one. Right. At best, they would need that settled somehow. Either it's a, either they know a green card's coming and they're not as worried about it, which would be great. Um, but if not, then it gets into a situation of like you're trading Ola Kamara, which yep. we've talked about already in the past is, you know, there's a rationale to it based on contract term and age, but it is you trading away the guy that missed the golden boot on a tiebreaker last year. That's not great. That's never going to go over super well, unless you're like, Oh, but we signed Leo Messi. So don't worry about it. If you can do that, then great. DC is not talking about signing Leo Messi at this point in time. Um, yet. Yet it's possible. It's always possible. Um, the, the, the King. I'm pretty Cosby sure Miami has got the discovery rights on Messi. I mean, I imagine that might be like part of Miami's problem is they probably traded too much of their other stuff to get that. Just to just in case, um, 
But like then you get into for DC, you get into some territory like Kimarney Smith was on loan with Loudon last year, so they were able to carry him as an international with Loudon rather than in MLS. Um, but if you want to activate him, if you want to give him some MLS minutes, which is kind of the whole idea, like otherwise, why carry him? Um, he's gonna have to play in MLS, which means he's gonna have to take the international spot up. Um, so yeah, they they run into they as of now, not signing Carlos Tevez, which is still the normal, the, the most likely outcome here. They don't immediately run into an international spot crunch, but they do as soon as they sign one more international. They they are that close to an international spot crunch. So, um, I mean, maybe maybe they're not too worried about it. Maybe they already know where they can get one more spot. Spend spend another quarter million in GAM to do that. But uh, I I feel like the better thing to do here is. You know, if you need one more forward, don't don't use an international spot on a guy that w- hasn't played in eight months. And, and, and we've been hearing that they've been talking about signing yet another DP in mm-hmm. the next few weeks or any day now or whatever. I mean, Jason, I think you've probably been told to write and pre-write and write and pre-write for the last like two <laughs> weeks about this third DP that's supposed to be coming down down the lane. But I, I think if that is so, I mean, unless it's a, if if it's a U.S. player, we probably would have heard the rumors of that by now. So right. it's got to be someone from international, which means that you need an international spot for that person as well. So this is where people start going, "Hey, uh, I'm counting and I'm out of fingers. Like, where, where, you know, how many? Who has extra fingers?" And that's where I think some of these moves you may see, like a small one here and there. You go, "Oh, that's okay. Someone's coming now. Um, like taxi could be coming now, or this sure. other DP, or yep, you know." backups for other positions that we need because we have a, we need a lot of backups well let's get into that uh donald last time you were on the show we had a twitter box question about uh basically what about a dp in central midfield and at the time i said i said yeah because uh nyman needs the competition Kanaus and nyman have both been prey to injuries from time to time and uh we we just need bodies there. And the best way to build depth is to, in my mind, is to sign top line guys and make them compete with your your existing starters. Um, but if we sign a Tevez, if we keep signing attackers, which seems to be our, our move this offseason, that, that, that's fewer roster spots for that central midfield, which right now you have Knaus and Nyman. You have Skundrich. You have... Karai, maybe in that spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Di Pietro can maybe play there. Uh, you, Carr, you can move there. Jason, and Jason Anderson can play there. Yeah, and and then you 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 start to <laughs> littering and. beyond stretches to like right. muscle tears to to fit someone in there. Bill yeah, I mean, you get in you you like literally Adam after after the people you mentioned, including these stretches you're immediately getting to like Julian Gressel has to move from right wing back into the middle and DC has got to find someone to play right wing back. Um, it, it gets that there that quickly. Um, and the under, the thing that underlines it even more is that we suspect at least that that first friendly was with three central midfielders. It was a three, five, a straight line across three, five, two. Um, so you're talking about not, two with a 10 because then you're like okay one of those central spots is is edison flores okay um this might not be that this might be you know it's it's possible that they're going to play 
the three central midfielders, which we saw at times uh, when they'd go on the road, they'd play out of that mid block. Um, and sometimes it showed promise. I would argue it never really worked. Um, so there's that worry, but it's also just like physically, like the players you listed, you mentioned Canals, you mentioned Nyaman, Nahar, we know is Andy Nahar. We know he's not going to play 34 games or even 30 games this year, even with a friendlier schedule. Um, if we can get him to like 27, 28, I think we would call that That's a win. Good. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, you rapidly get into like, I hope Russell Canals plays 34 games. He's never played. I think it's 27 is his career high in MLS. Um, I hope Moses Nyaman uh, can become, I mean, we, I think we all hope that he becomes a full-time starter and not just because he's just the only guy left, but because he, um, you know, fulfills that potential he has. Um, you get into Drew Scundrich playing a ton as a central midfielder, which um he hasn't done a lot of in MLS. We saw him more last year as a pressing forward kind of guy or a forward destroyer. Um, So you're rapidly getting into like, I need this thing to pan out. That is not a sure thing. And in central midfield, you would like your things to be more sure. Um, Yeah. There's a reason why when you look at MLS cup, um, when you look at the teams that are good every single year, they always seem to have these good central midfielders. Like Seattle goes out and signs Joao Paulo despite having strong depth in central midfield for a reason, it's not like a luxury signing. It's a, you know, what would take us over the top is just a guy who can like dominate the game in all facets on both sides of the ball week in and week out. And guess what? Seattle was Seattle the last year. They were excellent. Um, New England, same way. They got a bunch of guys that were excellent central midfielders to be the base for all of those for Carlos Hill and Gustavo Bo and Adam Buxa to do their thing. Um, the teams that are good in central midfield in MLS tend to be just, is just a soccer thing. If you're good in central midfield, you're probably going to be good overall. And it's not that DC can't be good. It's that there are a lot of things that have to fall into place for this group to be good. And one of those things is a level of health that frankly, I don't think we should be betting on because last year, well, I, I believe the report from um, my nightmare spreadsheet of man games lost to injury uh Pablo Maurer took that data and went to someone and they said it was the most games lost in 15 the last 15 seasons in MLS by any team um so yeah this is not a team that you can just bet on is going to be healthy and that seems to be the bet right now I think the the other thing about this right is that yeah we're talking about 34 games as I'm looking at our roster and and again I'm I'm taking this from Wikipedia but it, it gives a kind of a synopsis of this we have 26 players on this roster, but that's not counting Nahar, who has not signed yet. It's also counting Moreno, who has not signed yet. And it and, and take into account uh, Fountas, so we're at like 27, right? But we have the 34 games in the league. We have U.S. Open Cup is returning this year, so we're going to have those games. And, you know, obviously, this is another opportunity for people to play. You have uh, potentially Leagues Cup, I want to say, that we're, yep. that we're probably qualified for. Like I think so. All of these things, and and Leagues Cup is going to be, you know, they talk about that format where we're basically taking the the month off, and you that's, know, that's in, in twenty twenty three is when that's yes, yeah. but yeah. So, but they're going to dial it up to where even still, if we're in that every, if we're advancing that every week, we're going to have a game, and then there's other things that may happen, the rumored friendlies with you know European yep. teams, what have you, right? But I think the issue is that's not counting 
there's a double window for international play in May and June that includes uh, the U.S. having four games. It also includes every other confederation having four games, as well as the interconfederation playoff, which potentially we could lose Edison Flores to um, for that if, if they, for some reason, falter in March. You also have the September window, and then you have guys who they were at the playoffs, but we're going to lose them at the very end of October, which is at the very end of the season. So the question with depth is right now we have Jason mentioned probably 10 names that we can't rely on to go 34 games and we're going to have gaps. And I think the question is where who's filling those gaps. And if someone gets injured, who is the, who's the piece that's going to step in? It can't just be guys from Loudon. Like we got at a certain point, we have to have cover for all these players at all these positions, even if you're shifting them around. You don't want it where you're having Gressel playing, you know, center back for two months because we don't have capable cover for him because people are injured or out on international duty. You want it where guys can just step in next play up. And when we talk about the midfield where I think the depth is the of most concern, Moses Nyman trained with the men's national team last year he could very well be in the mix for Nations League this summer if he plays well. Russell Knauss could also be in that mix as well. And that leaves Skundrich to just be the guy to be like, hey, it's just me. Like, uh, Since we're on that's... call-ups, Jeremy Garay has been called up by El Salvador before as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Now, it was more of a, like, we just want we just want you to know we're interested kind of call-up, and it wasn't necessarily going to be happening forever. But, like, yeah. And that's, and that's what us talking about, like, what if what if our central midfield starts two 18 year olds um and not just <laughs> one um yeah it's it it's shallow so uh, Estrada will be gone Estrada will be gone Fontes will be I mean he he if he's not here by March he won't be here in June but right. if he is he'll be gone like the great thing about getting good players is that unfortunately they're going to have to leave <laughs> guys are going to be calling them in the national team camps and they're going to be gone and and those so they'll be in camps and stuff but that leaves a lot of guys because you know how mls does they're not gonna just sit and take all these breaks we're gonna play through some of these breaks and that means we need to have guys ready in the wings to step up whenever those top level players are gone so can we get a uh, university of maryland or uva or somebody like that to really get a cloning machine going because i feel like we need about 15 or 16 true scumbitches at this point to uh, fill in all the projected gaps in the roster. Yeah. I mean, I mean if we're going to clone people, start cloning the good, start, start. No, I don't want, I don't want to say Drew's not good, <laughs> but like start with the starters first. Start with like, yes. you know, Hey, we, well, yeah, but we don't have enough international starters. spots to clone all well, of the clone starters. Andy Nahar. That's true, yeah. Clone Andy Nahar, clone, clone. Canals Can we have a Nyman. time turner? Like like Hermione did, where she could be in two places at once, yeah, so we yeah. don't have to use an international slot. Well, we're yeah, gonna have I mean, our best people work on it during this break. <laughs> yeah. And that'd be a good question for Don Garber: Do clones occupy the same international spot as the person they're cloned from, Ooh. or do they require their own international spot? That feels like a philosophy question. So, any any philosophy majors we have listening, please write write that up for us. Um, as densely as you can, preferably. Uh, that does it for to, this segment. We've gone on very AMT long. On, uh, <laughs> Please stick around. We'll be right back to talk about Black History Month. This is Phil Buster.
Hey, Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are, are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment or if I were trying to steal your wages or or do something else. Oh, nefarious in a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. February is Black History Month, and very few soccer people in this world celebrate it better than Donald Wine II, who runs a month-long series every year on Black soccer history at Stars and Stripes FC. Tonight, we are lucky enough to have him here on the show once again to talk about his series and some of these stories that need to be told and retold and that he has uh, picked up the banner for. So, Donald, thanks for taking the time tonight. Oh, thank you for highlighting it. Um, I think that's kind of the point of this series is, you know, as I've explained on this show before and others, it's, it's, a, it started as a personal journey of mine to kind of learn more about these stories. I'm learning as much as some of you are. And even if you know some of these stories that I'm writing about, you may not know the full details or the full context, or you may learn even something that you didn't know about that player or about that moment in history. And, and really it's just about the fact that when people kind of look back at some of these things, they'll recognize that black history is history. It's soccer history. It's not just a segment that, Oh yeah, over there, they do this over here. It is ingrained in everything we do. It's just time for people to recognize it. And so, you know, normally I'm doing one article a day with the, with the world cup qualifying window and she believes and other things going on. Uh, I don't think I'll get to 28 stories this year, but I'm going to absolutely do my level best to get to that. Also, it's about some of the stories require a little bit more care to that I'm that are coming down the down the lane. Uh, I, they require a little bit more care in writing, and I want to make sure I give it the full attention. And if that means I have to sacrifice a day or two to make sure that that story is absolutely 100% what it's supposed to be, and the intent is there and and true then I'll do that rather than just pump out articles for the sake of pumping them out. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's been interesting because some of these are things where it's like a player that I've heard of or a story that I've heard of, but I didn't know half of what's in there. Um, some of these things that, uh, and it's not just this year, but like over the course of, you know, you've been doing this for several years now and it is funny to be like, Oh, I know Viv Thomas. Um, and then I read the article and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I didn't really know all that much. I just knew like a little fraction of it. 
Um, so even for someone like me that's been, uh, unfortunately, like in the deep end on this for entirely too long and to the, my own self-destruction, um, it still ends up being educational to get into these things. Um, I know also, you know, some of the things that I do know a lot about, um, you just wrote about Trinity Rodman, uh, who we spend plenty of time talking about on, on the mm-hmm. site, um, which is awesome because I, I feel like that's, uh, I don't know, last year we got the weird experience of like Trinity Rodman and Kevin Paredes both playing in DC. And it occurred to me earlier tonight, it's like, wow, we really didn't like collectively, not just us as a site, but like everyone, maybe we're going to think in like 10 years, like that was really a year of, of time that happened where those two players were doing that at the same time in the same stadium. Um, because like Rodman last year could have been an MVP, like literally, literally should have been getting more MVP votes than she got. Um, not just best 11. So, um, it's, it's current and also history. So it's like, a, you know, it's it's important for us to I think stay abreast of all of the the angles that these things come up. It's not just okay she was good last year. It's also like how how does this connect to um, our shared soccer history? Because it is you know there are echoes of this happening over and over again um, of uh, players not getting the attention they deserved in their time or the moment kind of passing and and looking back and be like oh that was a really big deal. Um, and it's, it's that mix of getting that ancient history from like sixties, seventies, England, and also literally 2021 Washington spirit. Like it's right up this close. I'm holding my hand up to my face on an audio podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, and then like, you know, out into the, you know, the, the whole, um, the length of time that soccer has existed. So, um, yeah, I think it's been, it's also, I, I, this isn't even a question so much as I think it's just an awesome series that people should read, but, um, (laughs) yeah, the, the Rodman one kind of got me going, uh, just, just thinking about it earlier today when all this other stuff was also happening. This was, uh, the wheels were still turning because I guess I can't shut it off. Well, I, I appreciate that. And I also, honestly, I appreciate you because you actually kind of gave me the ending to that story because, at first, I was just going to talk more about like the fact that you guys have discussed this on Black and Red and and elsewhere when we talk with all the other you know NWL writers that are at SB Nation. We talk a lot about how Trinity just wanted to be Trinity. She mm-hmm. didn't want to be Dis- Dennis Rodman's daughter, right? Like mm-hmm. she has her own name. She made her. She got there because she worked hard. She grinded. She made those goals. She made those incredible assists, and she did that work. And only for her to be like now drafted number second pick Trinity Rodman, who is Dennis Rodman's daughter. Like that would, I wanted that to be the focus where she is the one getting the credit for this, but it also led me to the fact that, Hey, you know, I even started with saying, you know, yeah, she's only in her second year, but she's making history every day. And literally as I was writing that article was the day that she signed the contract for Mm -hmm. $1.1 million, which was made, which literally made history. So uh, I thank you for that because I was able to get those details as like in real time as I'm <laughs> typing it up. I'm like, well, well, I can literally say, no, she literally is making history as we speak. Uh, but I, I think that's the idea, right? Is sometimes you have that. And then sometimes you have these stories of people that you just have never heard of. Uh, mm-hmm. The other day I did one on Denisha Adams, who even I had heard her name. I knew she, uh, I, I watched the game where they destroyed Chinese Taipei and she had the one assist to Megan Rapinoe. Mm-hmm. And that I did not know that was her only time on the national team. So I learned more about her while writing this article because 
now people are like, wait, Denisha Adams, like, she's a beast. She she's she was literally she had like nine game winning goals in her first year in college. Mm-hmm. She had like five, like nine more throughout her college career. She defined clutch. She had it in the WPS. Like mm-hmm. she defined clutch. Why was she not more well known? Um, other than just the you know the the footnote, basically, if you will, of her you know assisting on the final goal of a ten nothing blowout game in two thousand six. So I think those are the things, right? You have some stories that everyone knows, but you know maybe history is made as you write them, and then you have some where I really get into the depths of who is this person and why do you need to know his or her name. Yeah, I think, Donald, I think one of the things that I've appreciated about this series the most is I feel like in uh, soccer in the United States, we've done a pretty bad job of uh, uh, remembering our history. And I think that's especially true for the people of color that have shaped uh, uh, U.S. soccer history. And I feel like this series has really uh, brought those people back to the forefront. And so I was wondering if you, do you have a favorite uh, story that maybe you didn't know of before you started uh, digging into these uh, uh, stories to uh, tell this fuller picture? Wow. I, I mean, there's quite a few that I didn't know a lot about. I think, honestly, I'll go back to the first year um, where we learned about just the first couple of players to be on the men's national team. And then last year I was fortunate enough to write articles on the first two women, uh, black women to be on the women's national team. And it's great because uh, now they're getting their flowers. Now people mm-hmm. are saying when we went to Nashville for the Canada match in September, Desmond Armstrong was the match ambassador and was highlighted throughout the weekend. And people are like, Oh, I've heard of that guy. And I'm like, this is exactly what we want you know, Mm -hmm. to make it where you learn about these players, not just during February, that was over Labor Day weekend. And so those sort of things, and even this month or last year where people were saying, Kim Crab is everywhere. Like, I didn't know she was doing all this good work. Tony Sana was, uh, I mean, the game just happened to be in February, but he was honored uh, as the match ambassador for the game last week in St. Paul, all the great work he's doing with his foundation. I've been able to see up close and personal over the last year. And so writing that article last year was just more about me saying, hey, guys, not forget him, the player who is excellent and a legend. Check out this work that he's doing. Mm -hmm. Justin Morrow, I'm I'm hoping to do something on him individually. But even the Black Players Players for Change and Black Women's Players Collective, what they're doing in the community needs to be highlighted because they're doing that on top of being a Black person in America, on top of playing soccer at the highest level. This, these are some of the stories that I really enjoy writing. I, I will say there's one that's coming up that is a very familiar one to all of us um, uh, about Kaya McCullough and just the struggle she had to come forward with her story. The reason why I said that I might take a couple of days off from this daily series is because I you know, approached her today about writing one. So this is breaking news, but one will come on that because I want to make sure I tell that precisely and i tell Mm -hmm. that accurately and i give it the care that is necessary uh because i know what she goes through on a daily basis when people try to bring up her name in anything so uh, yes and just the work again the work i'm working with her directly on other initiatives and the work that she's doing needs to be told those sort of stories are what i'm looking forward to this year and if it requires me you know not talking about 
you know, a, another story that is important. I want to make sure all these stories get the same type of care. And I think that's where I'm going with this year. And, and some will be hard to read. Some have been hard to read. Um, and some are, you know, just today I did one on Troy Deeney. Like, yes, the the goal that everyone knows if you know soccer, but did you know it was because he was just coming out of jail? He used that as his mm-hmm. redemption arc. Oh, man. Like that sort of thing. You Again, another angle of a story that everyone's familiar with that you may not have known about. Yeah, I like how I, I also enjoyed the stories where you broaden the lens. It's it, it's not just American soccer history you're talking about. You you wrote about the Comoros upset over Ghana, which again, his it, absolutely historic and happened uh, three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's really it, it's great to see the the full breadth uh, of of black contributions to soccer and black history through soccer. Um, and so the, thank you for, for writing it and for, for talking about it with us. Um, I mean, we're, we're, we're recording this literally the day the spirit ownership changed and you know, you bring up Kaya McCullough. Does that happen without her? Probably not. No. So, um, it's does like a lot a, of this change happen without her, right? Like, yeah, that's the thing yeah. is like, when we look back at it I, and I, I'm not saying this like to kind of make this bigger than it is, but like, when we look back at this, a revolution happened last summer and she was the person who started it through her words and through her courage. Mm -hmm. And yes, there were other people who were involved in that. And they, I feel they also have been given their time in the sun, but the problem is that Kaya hasn't, in my opinion, she was kind of, once the other stories came out, they were just like, this is what started the revolution. And ESPN was talking to them. They were on good morning America and, they did not call Kaya. They did not talk to Kaya. And I think those sort of stories are, that's what this is about, right? Where people go, like, did you know how much she changed soccer? Mm-hmm. Not women's soccer, soccer. Because yeah. now we're talking about this on the men's side as story, and, and more Absolutely. people are coming forward with their stories today. So uh, I really, I, I just have a lot of respect and admiration for the courage that you have. It's courage that even on my strongest day, probably would not be able to hold it so um and i think that deserves to have it stay in the sun so hopefully i i give it the the justice it deserves but all these all these stories are similar things i think my favorite story if i can be really brief is a couple don't, years don't ago. be really brief i was this was going to literally be the next <laughs> thing i asked you favorite oh, okay, story yeah. you've worked so the, on in the years of this series my favorite story that i've written is about how and i've had this on the podcast i've said this on the podcast before how Didier Drogba, yes. Drogba literally stopped a civil war. Mm-hmm. Just like, I don't care. I don't care who you are. If you are powerful enough to stop a civil war, you should have statues on every corner. Every gas station, every Starbucks, every McDonald's should have a Drogba statue. He literally told two fighting factions in Ivory Coast, yo, we trying to get to a World Cup over here? Calm down. I will, I like... I will make this where we're going to have one nation united for just a day. That's all I'm asking. And they all laid down their arms and they came together. They were in, uh, they played a friendly uh, before a world cup in a faction. And they even played a world cup qualifier in a part of Ivory coast that was controlled by the, the, the rebelist faction. And everyone laid down their arms for a couple months. And then when they made the world cup on national TV, he said, 
everyone, this is stupid. We're in it. We're in a civil war and we should not be fighting each other. We should be one people. And for just a little while, everyone listened to him and laid down their arms and there was no fighting. I think it's one of the most powerful stories in the history of mankind. And I'll always consider that one of the favorite stories I have to write because not only is he one of my favorite players before this, after this, when people read that, most people are like, I I said a lot of crap about D.A. Jogba because he played at Chelsea, he played wherever. <laughs> I'm sorry that he he should not, I should not have said that. That man deserves to have, be carried wherever he goes. I don't think we have a way to top that, so... We'll we'll call it a night, Donald. Thank you so much for for coming on to to share this. For anyone who hasn't read these, uh, and anyone who doesn't follow you online, where can they do that? Yeah, so you can follow me at Blazing DW on Twitter. As a lot of you guys know, I'm very active on there. Uh, but Stars and Stripes SC is where all these stories can be found. We have a Black History Month hub that will be on the front page and pinned uh, for the entirety of the month, where you can not only check out the stories I'm writing this year but all the other stories that I've done in this series it, it, at this point, I believe it's been four or five years uh, that I've been writing stories for black history month. So there's a lot of stories on there from ranging from the, the people that you don't know to the Pele's of the world. So uh, definitely feel free to check them out, uh, comment on them, share them with your friends. And if you've learned something, that's the most important thing. This is all a journey. We're, we're, there's no, there's no shame in saying, Hey, I didn't know that fact or i didn't know about this person because half of these stories i'm writing i don't know about all these facts either i'm learning them as as part of my journey as well so uh, i want everyone to know that this month is about amplifying these stories and also learning and sharing them with people who may not have seen them before so i thank everyone who's done that thus far and i thank everyone including all you guys for having me on here uh every year to kind of talk about this because uh, I really appreciate the platform. We're happy to give it to you, honestly. And and honestly, I hope someone uh, writes about you someday because you're making great contributions yourself, not just on the website. 100 caps for the men's national team yeah. you you earned uh, during this last qualifying window. That's, that's a lot of travel. That's a lot of dedication and uh, props, man. Appreciate that. And it's also, uh, and it's also just glad... Go ahead, Ben. I was just saying it's better than the uh, 275 miles that the uh, that uh, places <laughs> in England say is like an arduous journey uh, with, that is should be celebrated. Can I? Can I? Okay, here, quick, brief story. Um, <laughs> in Columbus, at the game, I'm on the capital stand. Game ends. I look down to check my phone for the first time in like two hours and find out that my flight to Toronto the next day had been canceled. Now, to get into Canada, you had to do a COVID test 72 hours before your flight, and that expired at 8.55 the next morning. So what did I do? I drove to Canada that night because that was the <laughs> only way I was going to be able to get into Canada in time for the match on Sunday. So me and four friends, we rented a car. We drove to Detroit. I got to say hi to my hometown. Drove across the bridge at like 3.45 in the morning. Slept for a few hours in Windsor and then got up and continued the rest of the way. That Did you hit the casinos alone, while you were while you're in Windsor? No, no, there was just well, we tried it. We have one mission, one goal, and that trip right there, which was just a stupid, this is a stupid trip, but we did it for a reason. Just from getting from Columbus to the border was longer than that long, arduous <laughs> FA Cup trip, and that was just the first leg. 
Yeah. <laughs> and on top of that, you then several days later had to like literally go to a game on a ice planet Hoth and uh, not get frostbite. Um, it was fun which, though. It was fun. Yeah. I, I was not cold because I'm from Detroit. I don't. I don't care. I I, I camped out in the Scouts. My first camp out was a minus twenty. It, it, let's put <laughs> oh, this, here's no. another thing. Let's put it this way. Yeah. I, I mean, I was stupid then. I'm stupid now. It's, it's goes to the territory. <laughs> but I will say this. The next morning, it was like minus 18 when we got to the airport to fly home. Ooh. I landed here. It was 48 degrees and raining, and I'm just sweating buckets because it's 60 <laughs> degrees warmer here than it is there. Oh, man. Um, I'm, I'm not going to sleep well tonight just thinking about that. Um, <laughs> but I do have to sleep at some point. So thank you all for listening to this show. Uh, find us at blackandredunited.com. If you want to throw some money our way, you can support us financially at patreon.com slash filibuster. Though, honestly, this month, you should probably find a, a charity supporting black people and throw your money at them any, either way. Uh, find us on Twitter at blackandredu, at filibusterdcu, at jasondcsoccer, at bromleysoccer, at 202amt. Uh, send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com download subscribe rate review wherever you get your podcasts mostly tell a friend about the show tell a friend about the black history month series at stars and stripes fc uh just talk to friends friends are good talk to them about anything but talk to them about us too uh for jason and ben and thanking donald one more time i'm adam we'll talk at you again real soon say goodbye jason if you're gonna be dumb you gotta be tough <laughs> <laughs>